hey, friends, this is hopefully going to be a shorter report on developments in Oklahoma. I haven't talked about Oklahoma because I'm here and I got in trouble a while back and I didn't want to get in trouble again. But now uh, I and my churches have disaffiliated. So um, technically, I'm not sure everything is formal until May 6th, but we got the quick claim deed and we've signed over the escrow funds. So uh, I'm thinking it might be safe for me to talk through this a little bit. I uh, No part of me wants to badmouth anybody, but we have had a development here that is really odd. Now, the setting the groundwork for this is our first special called conference was last year, of course, like most annual conferences. And uh, afterwards, the bishop required all of the clergy who left to turn in their credentials. Um, it was mandated, and the, the language in that letter uh, was pretty strong. I'm not going to look at it here because we're already going to look at it. Spoiler alert, he sent a new one. And uh, there's a reason why that would be a problem. But the thing is, uh, I don't know how many other annual conferences have gone through this, but in our conference, Bishop uh, Jimmy Nunn has required that whenever you leave, they need your credentials. Uh, if you want to hold on to them, then they'll stamp the back of them saying they're no good anymore, and then they'll give them back to you. And we'll look at some of the reasons as to why that is. This has uh, been seen maybe rightly, maybe wrongly as an insult or as something. Um, well, well, we'll see what words come whenever we look at the actual language. But um, more recently, this all started for me personally. It came into my uh, peripheral view on April 25th. Heather Hahn, you'll, you'll see on the screen, Heather Hahn wrote an article entitled Court Rules on Exiting clergy and churches, and that's a picture of the Judicial Council members, not all of them, but um, more than half of them at least. I hadn't seen that one before this one. Um, in particular, you'll see in blue that it deals with decision 1482, and the, the key line from that, which we'll see in a minute, I've got it pulled up. Clergy who withdraw from their annual conference membership by written request or by simply leaving their appointment have not surrendered their credentials unless action is taken against them. That's what it said in paragraph uh, or decision 1482. And then it talks about other rulings and the nature of uh, paragraph 2553. Now, then she comes back down and deals with 1482. She says it deals with the distinction between a clergy person's conference membership and the reverend title in front of their name. Um, I'm not sure how true that is. Um, I mean, you can, you can claim that title with or without certification, People do it all the time. Uh, United Methodist clergy are not members of congregations, but of their conferences. Paragraph 360 of the Book of Discipline allows clergy in good standing to withdraw from their conference membership and transfer to another denomination. Clergy typically lose their credentials only under complaint of violating church law or if they're a provisional clergy member who has withdrawn uh, from or been discontinued in the ordination process. So... Um, both connotations here can be seen as an insult. If, if the bishop is requiring you to give your credentials and the only circumstances where that happens is when you were never really in all the way to begin with or you did wrong and you got brought up on charges, then it has a certain stink to it that, that uh, I'm not sure it's necessary. Um, that, that paragraph doesn't matter. Uh, in a concurring opinion, Judicial Council member Beth Capen emphasized that even if clergy still have their credentials, they cannot be a part of two denominations at once. And she cited another decision which says a person cannot belong to another denomination and remember, remain a member of the United Methodist Church. I think that's a really unfortunate um, 
decision, I don't see how we can talk about ecumenism and the importance of the church being one and then say, oh, if you've dipped your toes into another group, you can't be United Methodist. I just think that's a strange... Uh, it's it's strange to hold these two things in tension. Um, and then it talks about other rulings um, that I, I'm not sure we need to go into, but let's look at the Judicial Council decision. This is uh, decision number 1482. This You can find this on the Resource UMC page, and we always have links and uh, show notes if you want to check this out yourself. Uh, but the, the here, we'll read the digest. An annual conference cannot condition the disaffiliation of a local church upon the requirement that a pastor of a withdrawing church make a written statement as to whether he or she desires to remain in the United Methodist Church, retire, or surrender their credentials. So this doesn't really intersect with us at all. Apparently, in some annual conferences, um, before they will even put your uh, church on the list of disaffiliations to ratify at annual conference, they were requiring that uh, clergy say what their intent was and go ahead and, and uh, turn in their credentials if their intent was to leave. And they're saying you can't do that. Clergy who withdraw from their annual conference membership by written request or by simply leaving their appointment have not surrendered their credentials unless action is taken against them under four different disciplinary... Don't make me say the numbers. But uh, uh, spoiler alert, Bishop Nunn does not cite any of these four paragraphs whenever he does um, threaten clergy. So the, there's a statement of facts. They, I think, came from Wisconsin. I know that Bishop He Su Young Jung, uh, is from Wisconsin, and I think he's got, oh yeah, Wisconsin Annual Conference. There it is. Um, and so uh, what came out of this was the decision that we're talking about today. Um, so a lot of it deals with the provisions of 2553 and how you really can't go beyond them in the spirit that... Um, so annual conferences can put additional requirements on, but they can't really go against the spirit of it. I think that's what I understood it to say. But then in this last paragraph, clergy members in good standing can withdraw their membership in the annual conference by written request or by simply leaving their appointment. I think that's the third time I've said that phrase. It was up at the top of this. It was in the other article. Uh, unless action is taken against them under those four paragraphs or Judicial Council Decision 696, their clergy credentials remain intact and are not affected by any withdrawal of membership in the annual conference. So uh, an annual conference cannot condition stuff. Clergy who withdraw, I'm skipping to the from their annual conference, it says the exact same thing again. Okay, so it says it four times. Could it get any clearer? Apparently it needed to be this is really interesting. We're going to get to the letter here from my former bishop, um, whom I, I personally like, but um, this just seemed really strange to me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on here. So he addresses it. This came out just yesterday. I, TJ gets mad at me when I say the date that we're recording this on, but it is what it is. He addresses it. Clergy of the Oklahoma Conference on April 24th. You received a letter which indicated that clergy of the Oklahoma Annual Conference are not to serve in a ministerial capacity outside of the United Methodist Church without the express permission of the bishop. Now, yeah, that was a, that was a conference correspondence which I understood to be there is a, uh, on May 13th or 12th, whatever that Saturday is, there's an ordination ceremony in our state for the new Heartland TCAT of the Global Methodist Church 
where there's going to be uh, people ordained. And uh, a lot of people being ordained came out of the United Methodist Church, and they're wanting people to lay hands on them that are still in the United Methodist Church, whether they're retired or active clergy. And they wanted to see if, if the bishop would allow those United Methodist clergy to come lay hands on and bless these new uh, ministers as, as they received the blessing from Bishop Jones. And so there was this letter that went out from the bishop saying, uh, no, that would be operating in a ministerial capacity, and you can't do that outside of the United Methodist Church, otherwise you're in trouble. Um, so he's just simply referring to that, that letter. Uh, this is the case for active and retired United Methodist clergy members. In case you don't know who those are, those are elders, deacons, associate members, and local pastors. That's what I was. United Methodist clergy serving in extension ministries and United Methodist clergy on leave or honorable location. This letter provides specific guidance to active clergy who are currently serving at a church that is disaffiliating effective May 6th and provides further clarification to retired United Methodist clergy members um, and those other guys. So look, look at the formatting here. Gee, what commands attention as you go through? It is this guy right here, bold, underlined, centered. Please note that recent Judicial Council rulings do not change these requirements in any way. That is just weird to me. That is so strange. It's... It, it's simultaneously acknowledging that the Judicial Council just came out with a decision that that seems to overlap with this quite a bit, and it's saying, uh, no, it doesn't. That's really, I mean, we'll, we'll read down further, but really that's all it says to address the Judicial Council decision. That's it, which I'm not sure is sufficient. Um, I don't know if I'll come back to saying it or not, but... I'm not sure it matters that it's sufficient. I, I, from what I can tell, bishops do not correct one another in the United Methodist Church at all unless a complaint is filed, as in the case with Bishop Carcano. But I don't think anybody—I mean, it would be interesting if someone filed a complaint against the good bishop for this. I very much doubt anyone will. Um, so even if he is out of line, I'm not sure what kind of correction can come. Um, and it won't matter because there's a timeline on this. If the church you are currently serving was ratified for disaffiliation at the April 22nd conference, uh, you and you plan to serve, and you plan to continue serving at that local church after the disaffiliation effective date, your next steps are. So all cards on the table, this directly applies to me. Um, I, I was serving two churches, both have disaffiliated. I'm going to continue to serve them. Um, it looks like I'm going to be ordained in the GMC. So what what... How does this apply to me? Um, immediately initiate a withdrawal for deacons and elders and discontinuance for local pastors, that would be for me, from the UMC by submitting a written request to withdraw to the bishop, to your DS, to the conference secretary, and some other people, uh, several people addressed here. Deacons and elders, immediately submit your certificate of ordination and your certificate of membership to the conference uh, secretary. In the event that your credentials cannot be located, a letter to Dr. Harris with a copy of your DS uh, should be submitted stating your withdrawal and stating that your certificate of ordination and your, your certificate of membership in the Oklahoma conference cannot be located. Letters of withdrawal and submission of your certificate, certificate of ordination and your certificate of membership in the conference must be provided to the conference secretary via hand delivery certified mail or regular mail 
and delivered or postmarked no later than May 6th. Local pastors, that's me, immediately submit your license to your DS via hand delivery, certified mail, or regular mail delivered or postmarked no later than May 6th. You will immediately be discontinued as a licensed local pastor. Should you elect, here it gets to the threat part, not to submit your credentials in their entirety or send a statement that you have lost them by that date, I will file a complaint against you under 2702.1D, quote, disobedience to the order and discipline of the United Methodist Church. So, uh, well, I'll finish the paragraph. Since you no longer hold membership or credentials in the UMC, you do not have the right to fair process. That's an interesting thing to say. So we had uh, a citation here, paragraph 2702.1D. Let's see, is that on the list of paragraphs that we can be charged with to remove our credentials? That is a solid negatory. That is not one of the, the four provisions in the Book of Discipline or Judicial Council decision under which you can justifiably take one's credentials away or mandate that they are, are surrendered. Um, but he does cite paragraph 2702.1D, and here it is, 2702.1, uh, a bishop clergy member of an annual conference, local pastor, clergy on honorable or administrative location, or diaconal minister may be tried when charged with one or more of the following offenses. Immorality, but not uh, lim not limited, but uh, including but not limited to being celibate or single and uh, practices declared to being compatible with Christian teachings that are sex stuff, um, crime, or disobedience to the order and discipline of the United Methodist Church. Uh, I, I wonder if this is a dig at uh, clergy who are leaving because the United Methodist Church is not using this provision to actually remove people from ministry who are being sexually immoral, immoral or um, uh, facilitating that. Instead, they're using that charge <laughs> on people. It's treating them like criminals, really. He's saying, I'm going to file charges against you for people that do sex stuff they shouldn't and commit crimes. Um, it, it feels like an insult. Uh, United Methodist credentials are the property of the United Methodist Church, he says, going on, uh, which has issued them to you. They are not your personal property. Um, there was a Seinfeld episode about this, um, but, well, no, I'm not going to talk about that. In order to prevent potential misuse of credentials, this requirement is non-negotiable if you wish to leave in good standing. If you wish to retain but not use the certificate of ordination you have received, simply make a request to the conference secretary to have the document stamped and returned to you. If you do not submit your credentials in their entirety by May 6th, your withdrawal will be under complaint pursuant to paragraph 360.3, withdrawal under complaints or charges, and will be noted in your permanent record. If you have any questions, contact the conference secretary. To be fair, I haven't contacted the conference secretary. I might do that later. I'm not, that would, I would just keep that private. I'm, I'm not going to make another video on this. Um, I, I can't speak to the bishop's heart or mind. Several people are listed in this that I'm not sure how many of them signed off on this. If this was all something they were all uh, really behind and felt strongly about, um, I, I think it's important to try and steel man 
the argument of one who insults you or uh, stands against you. But before I do that, I got the producer in the studio today. TJ, how did all this strike you? Did it seem normal? That's a little weird. Uh, it's kind of petty and vindictive, I feel like, because what other what other conferences are doing the same thing? I guess Wisconsin's was trying to do that before they disaffiliated, yeah. or, like disenfranchised their their vote. Um, this just seems like a, a smack in the face on the way out of the door. Like you're leaving. I want your I want your paperwork, um, and we're going to like charge you with the same paragraph that we're not enforcing and is the reason you're leaving in the first place. Like what? It just seems unnecessary. Like I, I, I did notice that I, I guess I, I didn't see before was that uh, if you want to keep your stuff, um, you can send us a letter. I think that's, that makes sense. But I guess what is the, uh, what do you see as them, um, arguing that you could do if you were to keep your credentials and not formally withdraw from the denomination? What do you see that they could charge you with? I like, get not necessarily charge you with, but like come at you again saying he might do this. This is why we don't want him to do this. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so in, in a pastoral capacity, the main things that clergy do that are recognized outside of the church are marry and, and bury people, really, you know. Uh, well, there was a, a carry, marry, and bury is the the, the rhyme, but um, yeah, we, we sign marriage certificates, and um, we conduct funeral ceremonies, but I mean, I've never once had anyone ask to see my credentials. No, no, that's not true. I think I did have to show them whenever I went in the county courthouse and um, got like my ID, they gave me like a number for signing my marriage certificates. That's the only thing I've ever used it for. Um, but I, my understanding is that the state we're in doesn't even step into that conversation of what is like a respectable institution that we will acknowledge a representative of, and it just oh, says, no, hey, you can go if get you're your a church... Online license, just it, for some random like 501c3 that decides that they want to be a church and believes whatever. Yeah. Uh, nobody, they, Oklahoma doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, if I'm steel manning it, then the, the thing is we stand for something. We have a reputation to protect. We cannot have people running around with our branding saying and doing things that, that we stand against, you know. Okay, but that's under the assumption that somebody's going to go out there and having left the United Methodist Church and probably went to some other denomination mm -hmm. saying, I'm doing this marriage, but I'm doing it under the United Methodist Church. Yeah. You're going to call me reverend. I, that's what Heather Hahn was was picking on. Can you use the title reverend um, if you're not ordained by the United Methodist Church or another entity? And, and at least, I mean, I, I wonder if it could be properly interpreted saying, you might be called reverend, but it isn't going to be become from us. You know, we are right. revoking your right in our eyes to call yourself a reverend. Well, what's the difference between somebody, hypothetically, say somebody has left the United Methodist Church, they didn't give up their credentials, and they said, I'm going to do this in the name of the United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. 
if somebody's like, well, are you really? Well, what are they going to do? They're going to call the United Methodist Church and ask them, hey, is this guy actually doing this under your guise? And they're going to look and they're going to be like, no, he, he left and he went to another denomination. So Yeah, I think uh, it's hard to say how, how many scenarios they really imagine this realistically coming into play. Like how many people even know to ask, hey, can I see your credentials? Like, are you a real pastor? Yeah. You know, I just, I'm not familiar with anybody who would even think, I'm a pastor and I wouldn't even think to ask that question of, hey, you got your credentials handy? I just really like to check them. You know, yeah. you might be a fake pastor. Well, so what's the difference between like, uh, if, if you say, I, I want to take a leave of absence from, from the United Methodist Church, I don't want to be a pastor right now. I'm just going to kind of step back. I still want to be part of the denomination, but I just don't want to be a pastor. What's the difference between that and so do you want to be able to step back in as a pastor at a future yeah, date? Yeah, I guess that would be if you want to step back in or not. So okay, they so don't... then at that point, yeah, they don't take your credentials then. Okay. They so... just mark you, they report you every year at annual conferences being on leave, I think. So, yeah, this the only point, according to the Judicial Council, the only time at which, uh, uh, I mean, in other bodies it would be called defrocked, but... Um, here, it's just the only point at which you would turn in your credentials is if you were brought up on charges and convicted under these circumstances. Yeah, so if you if you join another denomination, wouldn't it automatically, like, remove your credentials? Like, you were just no longer... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So. According to the Judicial Council decision, if you you can either notify them or you could just join another body, and then that it's automatically revoked. Yeah, but in this case, he's going to specifically bring you up on charges yeah. for not turning this stuff in. yeah. When Which you're already seems, out the door, yeah, you know, so ridiculous. like, yeah, you can, well, yeah, then, I, it's just really hard to validate this. I don't know what. So the the thing that's incongruent to me is at our special called conference a couple weeks ago, the bishop really wasn't nasty at all. No, like, he was great. I, the, compared to the other special co- annual conference, I thought he was fantastic in this one because he just kind of he's like he's here. I'm going to direct this, and then I'm yeah. going to just kind of stay out of it. We're in the one before that. Yeah, I was really not impressed at all. I'm like, he, he, well, I'm not going to get into what he, what he did, but I was Well, we'll record with. a thing later, kind of reporting on what happened at the special called conference. But for now, um, yeah, he, he seemed really cool yeah. at this last one. Very, but so it's, it's weird to, to have that picture of him and then to get this letter that really seems quite petty. You yeah. know, it's, it's hard to look at this and go, oh yes, this is a real concern and it's dealing with the real scenario, and it's very necessary. Like it's, it feels, it feels quite contrived, yeah. you know. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that as my personal opinion. I've talked to a lot of pastors about this, and it's very, um, you know, it, it taps into some part of um, people who like to be in good s- students to threaten them. This is going to go on your permanent record. And yeah, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> you have a permanent. Re- do you keep records? On, I mean, I guess they do keep records on all clergy, but I mean, in what sense will this come into play? Well, I guess if you want to come for whatever reason, come back to it, they can be like, well, no, we charged you with this. It's on your permanent record. You can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, we're, we're not even going to accept you because you know, you were charged with a, a crime essentially. Well, not, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it's crime. used in crimes. Yeah. Even. Yeah. So I, I, what I don't really appreciate was he, he, that underlined sentence where he goes, Please note that recent judicial council rulings do not change these requirements in any way, and yeah. it says nothing else about it. Yeah. Like, you automatically know, but somebody's going to raise an eyebrow and be like, well, 
why? And then just not address it. Like yeah. who does that? What, what, what is the purpose of that? Get out ahead of it, say something and be like, okay, these are the reasons yeah. why this does yeah. not apply. He's just like, ah, you got a week. No, not generally week. speaking, that has not been Bishop Nunn's strategy. He's known different complaints and things are coming down the line and does not do anything in writing beforehand. I, I do think he probably, no, he definitely spoke with his cabinet and maybe like the conference lawyer about it. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. But it's just not reflected in this letter. And I think it's because of a certain understanding of how authority works and you just don't condescend to explain yourself to children. You know, like when you, when you are a paternal figure, you know, like yeah, with, with my kids, when they ask why, I don't tell them why. I just, I said so. That's why, you know? But I think that is part of what conservatives are really rejecting right now in the United Methodist Church is this paternal posture that says, okay, here's the good information. You can have this. Here's the disinformation. You can't listen to this source. Um, You can disaffiliate, but only in the way that I say, and we're going to be very particular. And if you don't, well, then I have no option but to punish you. And and that's the tenor taken here. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to do it by this date. And if you don't do it, there will be consequences, right. and it'll go on your permanent record. That's a part that I just think is so strange. Um, so maybe, you know, I mean, I, I'm looking at this and going, well, it's not like I treasure my credentials, you know? Well, like, you you specifically said in one of the other videos that we, we did, you, you hope that there's some kind of reconciliation in the future right. and that you could go back to the United Methodist Church. And if he's going to do this, that makes it, more difficult, if not impossible, to do, and it just seems petty and vindictive, and like, why? Yeah, yeah, he's he's compelling people to burn the bridge, maybe, I don't know, like, um, just, you know, cut the umbilical, you're on your own now, and maybe that can be seen as a loving thing to do, you know, uh, throw them into the deep end of the pool and let them sink or swim, you know, I'm not going to help you no more. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one thing to like say, okay, you're not a part of the United Methodist Church. We it's putting you down as inactive. It's another thing to charge, charge you with uh, an offense. That's just, (laughs) if he just said, Hey, we're, you're not, you're not active anymore. There's an episode of the office where Andy decides he needs to get fired. And so he just starts doing all kinds of inane things around the office just to to finally make them fire him. So he has to finally get out on his own and become a star. Um, I don't remember this one. At oh, all. it's such it's <laughs> such a weird episode. It's it's very cringy. So yeah, I mean, at, at the end, it just feels. Uh, I think cringy is a good word. Like it's just it's a very unpleasant thing. It's hard to see how it's necessary. But you know, I'm I'm not. I never have been part of those backroom meetings, and maybe there is a good reason for it. Um, let's just wrap up there. If you have any thoughts or theories as to why this would be necessary, if there's something very practical and real behind this that I haven't come to appreciate, please go ahead and comment on this. Um, pray for Bishop Nunn. He's, I mean, uh, it's not an easy thing to do, uh, to oversee a conference like this. And, uh, he's also Bishop of Northwest Texas, where a lot of disaffiliations have taken place. He clearly loves the United Methodist Church, takes his job very seriously, um, so we'll pray for him and the Oklahoma Annual Conference, and especially the clergy who have to make a decision about, am I going to turn on my credentials, or am I going to let there be a, a blight on my permanent record? So uh, that's how you can pray. Uh, if, if you thought this was interesting, share it with somebody, like it, comment. Uh, appreciate all the support. I'll see you later.